Two Reasonable Vegans. Join Glenn Whitehead and Marty Menard as they discuss, argue, debate, everything from current events to art to food to business, all through the lens of veganism. Sometimes they'll have guests, sometimes they won't. A take-no-prisoner-style show that isn't afraid to piss off anyone on either side of the issues. Reasonably speaking, of course. All right, Glenn and I are very excited to have Earthling Ed and Abner Quigg join us today. Uh, we are four reasonable vegans right now, as the case may be. You guys both just spent uh, the last few hours bearing witness uh, as part of the, on, you know, the important ongoing efforts of the London Save movement, uh, which Abby is one of the event organizers for. Um, you were at Cargo Meats. Uh, it's a chicken processing plant right here in London, Ontario. I, I, I believe it's like up to 100,000 chickens. Every day. Every day brought in, trucked and slaughtered, which is like about a half a million a week, which is horrific. Um, we're going to talk about that a bit more. Ed is the, if you don't know who Earthling Ed is, you're living under a rock. He is the co-founder and co-director of Surge, which is a grassroots animal rights organization whose primary intent is to help create a world where compassion towards all non-human animals and non-human persons is the norm. Uh, we love and support him for that. Uh, for those efforts, you've organized the official Animals Rights March, which I can't wait to talk about. Uh, you released the powerful and heart-wrenching documentary, Land of Hope and Glory, which I watched for my second time today. Uh, and of course, you have that wonderful big vegan activism van. So I'm excited to get into all of this and much more. Uh, I also want to make sure that people know that Abby is a wonderful local activist extraordinaire. Uh, Glenn and I are big fans of her tireless efforts. Um, she's an event organizer for the London Save Movement, London Pig Save. You're a committee member for the VegFest London. Um, and most recently, you got a chance to speak at the University of Quebec uh, to share the work of the Save Movement uh, at an event about animal cognition, which we're going to talk about as well. So now everyone knows who you are. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you guys. Um, really, first off, you were the, what, what was today like? Bearing witness to something that Glenn and I talk a lot about on the show. Um, the power of that kind of activism. Yeah. And I saw a small little clip you guys posted today on social media, on Facebook, and uh, you know, I just want to speak, like, how was today? And, and Ed and Abby, can you talk a little bit about the importance of bearing witness and why that's such a strong uh, activism that we can all do? Sure, yeah, I mean. I, Go ahead, you yeah. have the best answer for this. I mean, I think there's a number of reasons why we bear witness. I think first and foremost, it's kind of almost uh, a moral duty to see these animals in that situation. You know, I always think if it was me in that situation, even though someone couldn't save me, I'd at least want to know that someone was there um, and that they cared. But fundamentally, you know, I, I bear witness because it gives me strength and conviction. You know, when I see these animals and I look into their eyes, it makes the, the suffering tangible and real. And it's no longer just something on a screen, it's something that I'm witnessing in front of me. And when I leave, although I don't leave feeling necessarily always hopeful, like it's a difficult experience. I always leave feeling full of fire because I know what it is that I'm fighting for, or who it is that I'm fighting for, and the reason why I do what I do. So it gets me up in the morning because I think about the animals in those trucks and those trailers being sent to the murder house, and that reinforces why I do what I do. But you know, we can film these animals, and it's about showing this footage to our friends, to our family, to people on social media, and saying, look, this is the individual behind your choices, because most people, like it was me back in the day, I used to shop unconsciously, and I never thought this chicken breast has come from a chicken who was a living being who suffered and died for me. I, did, I didn't make that connection. So when we film these animals, we say, look, this is the product or the reality of how these, you know, these products on the supermarket shelves arrive on our plate. All of a sudden, you help people see the victim to their purchases. So 
you know, I think it's just, it, it's a, there's a number of reasons to do it, and each of them are incredibly strong and compelling reasons. It adds conviction. It's, uh, I think it's a moral obligation. It helps people go vegan by sharing the, the reality of what happens, and um, you get to meet a wonderful community. Like, the amount of wonderful people at Save Movement events is, is inspiring, and, and you're, you share this kind of connection because you're, you're doing something that no one would really want to do. No one wants to go to a slaughterhouse, but the people who do so, do so out of conviction and determination and, and passion for the cause, and I think that takes a special type of person. So I love it because you meet people at Abbey, right? And you meet great organizers, you meet people who are really passionate and dedicated, and that's, that's amazing. How often do you get to meet complete strangers but have such a core thing and you know, core value already aligned in that moment? You know? Yeah, Absolutely. And, and, and even though it is like a painful experience most of the time, like it's very empowering because you have a whole group of people there who feel the same way you do and are going to be, you know, using that to advocate for the animals just as much as you are. It's, it's, yeah, it's kind of a way to like stir that spark of activism in you and then also give back to the community. Do you think it has like a powerful, because for me, when you talk about that disconnect and, and we've talked about that, Glenn and I, on the show, and I know I've, I've, you've talked about it in, in, a, in a number of your videos, uh, it, it, the disconnect is what is, is one of the biggest and hardest things when we're trying to reach somebody who's not vegan, right. someone who eats mindlessly, as we say. Uh, and this activism is a big way. But it's like, it, how often do you see it make that change? That's always that question I have too: is how often is it making that shift? And who's that? Is it making that shift with people who are not vegans, or is it? bringing more and more vegans together, like, or is it both? Well, I want to jump in on this because, <laughs> two things, because I went to my first ever vigil, uh, like a week and a half ago, and uh, like everything you just said, like, like uh, just vibrated in me. It was like, it, it was all of those things, but I didn't know, and, and I didn't even, I wasn't sure I was going to even go. Uh, I, I've been wanting to go for a long time. I've been intending to go since last November when I saw James Aspie speak and say, that's your duty, you have to do this. Well, and and you've I'm, been such a huge supporter of our local movement for so long, and like you've been watching what we do since day one. Yeah, but you know, that, that scares the fuck out of me. Like that, that, that like, I'm still like, that is not, that is not, that, you know, I, you know, I grew up on a farm. I, I couldn't kill an animal then, and, and, and I, I see, I can see it and I can feel it, and, and I've spent 35 years of my life not eating animal flesh, and, and for me, uh, I felt for 32 and a half, 33 years of that, that that was good enough, mm -hmm. but now like, I recognize how it's not, and I, like, I, I feel that. Um, the, 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 the sense of community, the sense of, uh, of support there, um, that is so important because I think that's what's fostering the growth in the movement and in the awareness. I, I, don't, I mean, so I jumped in because I don't know, I mean, maybe somebody's going to stop and think. I know I've seen great videos of an officer like engaging and, and yes, you're going to make those one or two flips from here to there, but for me that doesn't seem to be the purpose. I think the purpose is, you know, 37,000 sentient non-human persons are just about to go and get their throat slit and thrown into a boiling bath of water. Being there and seeing that, for me, that's, that, that, that was transformational in a way I can't even, I can't even explain it. So. And I think we almost owe it in a way that you know, I wasn't born vegan, you know, I don't, I don't know if any of us were. And so that means that for a long period of time we were paying for animals to die on our behalf. And I think we therefore owe it to the animals who died for us that we show up at least 
tell these animals that are in front of us that we're trying and that we're going to do everything we can to make sure that in the future these places don't exist because we owe it as a way of asking for forgiveness. And it's not that we should be granted forgiveness, but at the same time, it, it's a way of saying that we've changed. We're trying to create a different world. And I think we owe it to those who suffered on our behalf for, 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 you know, for many, many years. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I know that that is, I mean, I remember, because Glenn and I have been chatting about going out, and I haven't, and I'll be the first one, I haven't had, and it's for the same reason. It scares, like, I, 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 I watch Earthlings, and I can't even cope with, the, with the, the, the emotional, you know, the heart-wrenchingness of it. It's so challenging. It's so heartbreaking. It's so horrific. And, I, you know, I'm almost going to cry talking about something yeah. I'm not even watching. So I am, you know, being a coward and scared to go out and do that as well. So I understand. Uh, I'll be at the July uh, 11th and 19th. Will you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and because, I, because when Glenn did it, it was, I was so proud, and, and, so, and it was insp inspirational as it is. But beyond that, I also think, and this was something that took me a while to come around to, was I think it does help with the disconnect. I think because social media is such a powerful tool now, and people who, because it's true, people eat mindlessly all the time. You go to that restaurant and you don't, you know, you watch, we talked about it with our, with our last podcast, when you talked about the, the Yule and Dog Meat Festival, um, that disconnect between people making that they're literally outraged that an, the dog is being hurt while they go home and, and have a chicken sandwich or whatever, right. and not making that connection, it's because they're not seeing the horror. Yeah. And this, to me, is where uh, this is such a, because we're not going to be able to get the glass walls on, on, the, on the slaughterhouses. Uh, we're not going to get school trips to the abattoir, uh, which I want and would be fantastic. But we're not going to get that. So this is th really the best way to get people who are like, uh, to deal with the fact that there it is. They have to see it. Yeah. So for me, I think that is a really powerful form of activism as, on top of all that. Exactly. Right, which, which is striking for me. But it took me a while to come around to that. It's, and it's not like, you know, a lot of people say, well, what's the point of being out there? You know, no one's going to drive by, see you holding a sign and be like, oh, I'm going to go vegan. And that's not really the purpose of what we're doing. You know, we're there for, for the, as much as we are there for the, the animals, we're also there for the people that are working inside those buildings and a part of that system who need to know that someone else is out there that cares and is going to speak up for these people. So it's, it's for the public, it's for the animals, but it's also for the other beings that are being used in that system too, right? Like, Absolutely. Well, all this stuff, it, it I mean, it, I feel like it, it keeps just bringing that level of consciousness just higher and higher, like sifting through the sand, right? It's like, you know, we, we, we live this kind of dull life of like non-examination, moving through all of these things and, and, and uh, you know, people aren't, they aren't awake and they're not, they're not aware. And that's conscious, you know, there's lots of reasons, you know, Dr. Tuttle's talked about it. I mean, we've all, we've all examined that. Um, and, and all of these things, they do permeate through the consciousness on levels, like again, like, like you think of the butterfly effect kind of a thing. Like each one of these moments, each one of these actions, each one of these vigils, it, it has an effect far beyond that moment and that time. And, and I think our issue as vegans, as vegan activists, uh, is probably the frustration with maybe the slowness of it, yeah. but recognizing that, uh, for me at least, recognizing that we're, we are in this, this pool of infinity and we're just in this split second in this pool of infinity that th every one of these actions, like today around the world, I don't know, 100, 500, 1,000, 10,000, I don't know how many people, but I know 
from two years ago to I just I just drove across the country to the East Coast, and every single truck we saw on the highway, I felt it. That that wasn't something that existed in me. I was aware of it, but I didn't feel it three years ago, five years ago. And again, I haven't eaten animal flesh in a long time, but the, the moving from blind this to awake this is, is a big thing. And, and all of these things are a, are, are, are a part of it. You know, when I opened PMK, I didn't open PMK with the thought of sitting at this table and doing this thing. And, and when I first met you guys and I first heard of the SAVE movement, I, I remember literally going like, <laughs> chickens? Like, chickens, right? But then now I'm just like, of course. But you, you have to get through that process. You have to move through that. And, and that's what really fascinates me about like kind of the next step of this conversation is like, what, what does that process look like? How does it unfold? And, and, and you know, where, where do we go and how do we keep molding and melding that process? That's a heavy question. That is a good question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, activism to me, I mean, we talk about this, all the different forms of activism that, that are out there. And, and, one, and actually, it's, activism can be the, the bearing witness. It can be out in front of the front lines. Yeah. But it can also be strategic. And, and one of the things that I really, you know, that got me, I mean, I've, I'm a fan of you for many reasons, but one of the things I like most about your videos um, is the end on the street stuff, the stuff where you're out talking to people. I don't know what you call them. I call them end on the street videos <laughs> when I'm talking to anybody else about them. But you have this, you maintain this even temperament no matter what anybody else says. And you're cool and you're composed. And, and, you're, and you just use this kind of clear, concise logic and questioning uh, all the time, no matter who you're talking to. Sometimes you're talking to pretty cool people or okay people. Sometimes you're talking to not very nice people. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and, but you maintain, and, and it, to me, I, I, the more, at first I thought, oh, he's just a really chill fucking guy. He's a really cool dude. And uh, you know, how do you not love this guy? But the more I watched them, the more strategic I, I started to see that your approach was. Right. And I really want to talk more about that too because I think that's something that, for those of us, everybody has a different form of how they're going to be an activist, how they're gonna go out there and approach these, what can we do to, move the, to keep the movement forward? Uh, which I think is even part of what Glenn was just trying to, like, what's the next step? But these sorts of tools, that you, that you have a toolkit, there's a, there's a method to that madness. It's right. not just you being a super chill dude. Right. I don't even know if you are a chill guy, <laughs> but, you, but that's how you Sometimes. come across. So I kind of want to talk about that too because I think it's really illuminating. Yeah, I mean, it's, someone asked me the other day, like, oh, you know, how do you, you, you stay so calm? And we kind of realized that there was two things. It was strategy and empathy. And I said, look, I, you know, I'm just trying to do, I just want to be the best that I can be. And when I started my activism and I started talking to people in the streets, I was pretty angry and pretty accusational and pretty judgmental. I mean, I was still pretty judgmental, but I was pretty like, <laughs> but I made it, I made, no, 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 cut, no, no, I made it quite clear that I, I was quite judgmental when I was speaking to people. So, and it always backfired, like it never ended well. And I had to ask myself, like, who am I doing this for, right? I felt good, like it felt, it felt good for me to point the finger and say, look, you are causing abuse to animals and stuff, but it wasn't helpful. And I thought, well, if I'm an activist, who am I doing it for? Is it for me to make myself feel better or am I doing it for the animals? And I've got, well, I'm doing it for the animals, right? So how do I have to be? And they need me to be the best that I can be, the best, you know, whatever that looks like. But, you know, we can never be perfect, but what we can do is try our best. And the best for the animals is being logical, calm, and as effective as possible, right? So the, the beautiful thing about veganism is it's so grounded in logic. There's not one argument that debunks it. I've never been exactly. so sure of anything ever in my entire life, because nothing else has completely solidified arguments. But veganism does. It's grounded in complete fact and logic. So all we have to do is 
show people. So every time someone gives me an excuse or an argument, yeah, we can get angry and be like, oh my God, protein, like what year are you in? But that's not how, <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's, it's not effective, right? So instead, like validate what they say by saying, look, I understand, like, you know, we've been raised to believe you need animal flesh with protein, but have you considered you can get protein from plants? Just be kind and compassionate. And, and I, do that, I do that for a number of reasons. First of all, because I used to be that person. I used to say free range, humane slaughter, high welfare, organic. I was the same person. I used to use the same rhetoric and the same lines that I hear on a daily basis. So who am I to judge them for feeling the same way that I used to, right? But secondly, I just think it's the most effective. And if it wasn't the most effective, and it was the most effective thing to shout and point at someone and call them an animal abuser, I'd do that. Like, because I think we have to be versatile in our activism. Right. And, and I, it's really comfortable for me because I like being empathetic. Well, that sounds arrogant. I like to try and be empathetic to people. And, I, and it just kind of suited me that that was what I found to be most effective because the two for me go hand in hand. But I think we have to be open-minded and versatile to changing our approach if we need to, right? And, and that's why I think we always have to be open to learning. You know, activism is like life. It's a journey. And the moment we become shut off and we say, I am doing it this way or this is the best, and that's the moment we kind of stunt our progress. Right. And we never know where we're going to end up. All we have to do is be open-minded to learn and to teach each other and, and learn from our mistakes. And that's why I like having a YouTube channel, because I finish a conversation, I go home, I edit it, and I watch it through and through and through like 10, 12 times. And I get to think, well, what would I do differently? Like, how would I have approached this conversation? What should I have said instead of that? Right. So I can constantly learn from, from, from the mistakes I made in those videos. And, um, strategy is a big thing. The strategy is big, but you do this other thing that I want to talk about that I think, I, I came from, like what I do for a living right now, I teach marketing uh, at, at Fanshawe College. I'm a, a college professor. The word professor doesn't really, is a bit, bit heady, but whatever, <laughs> I teach, I'm an instructor. But I came from a sales and marketing background, and one of the, the, the strongest strategies in all sales when you're selling someone on any idea, any form of persuasion, right. is ask a question and shut up. Right. Ask a question, and we and we always say, ask a question, shut the fuck up. Right, right, right. And when they and when they've answered, ask another question yeah. and shut the fuck up. <laughs> right, right. And by the end of a 20-minute conversation, they've sold themselves on your product, or at the very least, given you the answers to go back to them to sell them, find out what exactly. their pain points are. Right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But you do that when you're persuading people. You just ask questions and get them down the line. So by the time you end the conversation, they're like. You know, fuck you, I can't argue with you anymore. <laughs> right, right, right. And, I, and I just love that approach. And that's why I was like, he's not just a chill dude. He's, there's a, he knows what he's doing. All those questions are really logical and methodical, and yeah. you're playing that out. You're right. You know what also that really resonates for me is, is uh, recognizing, and this is the one thing that I've struggled with, and you know, we've, we've talked about, and I struggle with on a day-to-day -day basis, and it's this. It's, it's y y like, very few of us were born vegan. Yeah. There's a few people who are lucky enough to have been born vegan, um, uh, but even you know uh, of my family, only one of my kids was born vegan, and the other ones were all born vegetarian, and now most of them are vegan or whatever. So, um, <laughs> so but my point is that recognizing that we're on this 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 journey in this path, and and the frustration that I find is sometimes once you get to that level of of like wokeness of awareness of like once you hit that spot where we're at um there's a there tends to be a tendency to be frustrated and like shut the door and like there's no tolerance for people who aren't there yet and for me that's difficult for a few reasons one because we're on a a journey and like i i know for sure as awake and enlightened as i might think i am i've got a billion miles to go through time and space before i hit even a milestone of importance on that level, of that capacity. So let's not pretend that just because 
we've recognized that we don't eat and enslave animals, that that's the line that we get to start judging the rest of the world. But I, I mean, that's an important part, right? Because that's the lashback against the community. That's the lashback against activism. And, and I'm not saying don't push and agitate. And I mean, uh, you know, I've straight up said, like, you have to push everywhere. And that point of, of pain and, and is, is, is where change often happens. But I do like your understanding of we're here, they're here, we're moving in a direction. And, and you know, so I, anyway, I just. Yeah. But it's a conscious choice that you make when you ask those questions. Right, it's right. It's strategic. Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, it's, it's like sales. And, and um, I talked to someone who used to do sales, and they said, you know, when you cold call someone, you try and sell them insurance, they're going to say, oh, I don't want your insurance. So what you have to ask them is why. Yes, so when yeah. people say why, or you ask them why, they have to justify it. And when people start justifying, well, there's your way in. So the most common word I use when I speak to people is why. Like, people are going to throw arguments at you, food chain, circle of life, whatever, and you've got to ask, you've got to make them justify why that is a good excuse to use. Because people just say it because they think it's right. But when you ask them to actually think about it, there's no response to it. So it why? Why do you feel this way? Why is it that you think that way? Like always why, why, why? Because then people have to think. And that's what we need people to do, think. Because when you start thinking about it, it makes no sense. And the problem is we don't think about it. We do it mindlessly. So right. if you stop and thought about it, you go, holy shit, what the fuck am I doing, right? <laughs> exactly, man. Right. Like, exactly. Like and the, right. And that's it. So that's where you have to get people to that moment where they're going, what the hell am I doing? Why am I doing this? Because I've been told to? Is that okay? Is that acceptable? No. But you're doing it for the perspective of you're giving them that opportunity. Like, I sometimes get caught up. I'm the most, in this ta at this table, I can honestly say without any doubt, I'm probably the most judgmental one here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Glenn won't argue with me. <laughs> and, and because I still struggle with that sort of, that like, you know, it, it, there, there's no reason, as you said, veganism, the facts support it on every level. On, on health, on, on the environment, on economics. On, there's nothing that we are not, we're not, it's clear that the facts bear it out. Right. So I always have that frustration where it's like, it's, it's the mindlessness, they choose to be mindless. But yes. your technique, uh, the technique we're talking about is, I know that they're being mindless. My job is to make them not mindless. Right. And that's what you're doing with that method, which is why I think it's so effective and powerful and, and we can all learn from it. I mean, the thing is, none of us were forced to be vegan. We all went vegan because we realized it was what we knew to be right. So we can't tell someone how to feel. When you tell someone how they feel, it makes them take a step back because no one likes to be told how they should or shouldn't feel. We want to come to that decision ourselves. So we're asking questions. People can't become mad at you because you're just asking them to explore themselves. And when they realize they're hypocrites, they're not mad at you because they've, they've done that themselves, right? So if anything, it's a frustration at themselves. So. That's what we have to do, expose hypocrisies within the individual because then they can't argue against that. And no one likes to be put on the back foot and accused of anything, but when you start accusing yourself, you're going, wow, okay, this is bad. Like, I need to do something about this. That's right. right. Yeah, it, it's an amazing thing. I think it's something that I, I'll try to do more of myself, uh, but I do find it a really powerful thing. I, I, I want to talk about that. Also, I want to talk about, um, I really want, you know, I might not get you at this table for a while, either of you, you'll be back a lot sooner. Um, you're welcome anytime, <laughs> but, but uh, this is a question for everyone at the table, and Glenn and I have talked about this in one form or another, but I'm really interested in, in both of your insights on this, is there's been such a huge growth uh, and surge in, in, in veganism okay. uh, in the last few years um, when it comes to everything from, you know, just vegan food choices, like the fact that it's, Glenn and I have talked uh, at length about, you know, I think 600% growth in the last however many years. In the United States, uh, they came out with something where 50% of all milk sold now are non-dairy. Like, it's incredible, it's wow. fantastic. The Beyond Meat Burger is outselling the meat burger in California. 
fucking fantastic. <laughs> like all this shit's great fucking news. <laughs> but, it's, but I've been having this conversation with a few people lately uh, outside of the podcast and, and I had a point of view about it that goes back and forth and Glenn and I have chatted about this over a beverage or two. When we're talking about, I think it's really interesting to see, watch this new movement of, of plant-based foods like the Beyond Meat Burger. Right. Or Don Lee has one that Costco is trying to do the, their cheap version of the, of the uh, Beyond Meat Burger because and, and, and they want to match it, right? Um, it's not designed for vegans. It's designed specifically for meat eaters, yeah. for non-vegans. And it's created the texture uh, to look, taste, smell, everything like meat. Yeah. So it's giving that non-vegan, I, I know so many of your, of your videos and people give all the excuses, it tastes good is the, one of the big re reasons why. Yeah. Oh, vegan food doesn't taste good. So I, I want, you know, this is what I'm used to, all that bullshit, right? But it's a legitimate reason. And for some people, it's not bullshit. It's legitimately what, especially if it's cultural. I grew up in Toronto in a, in a, in a neighborhood like Little Portugal. You can't tell any of the first and second generation Portuguese women not to eat meat. You can't have that conversation with them. It's, not, it's just not going to go well. So uh, there, for them, it is that. But so this is designed solely to change, not to change their minds in, in some way, but to just, here's something you can do and not kill an animal. Right. But I know that there's a part of the movement that it won't, like vegans won't eat it, as an example, because it's too close to fucking flesh. Yeah. So it's a really, it's a, to me, that's a really interesting next step. Uh, at, in how this is moving for how this is pushing veganism forward. Yeah. And I was just kind of wondering, you know, what you guys thought about that. Well, we just had a new vegan steak come out in, in England. Right. Um, I've not had it yet because it came right. out while I was in the, in, in the States. Um, it sold out in like two weeks. It's, so oh, wow. it sold a million of them in like two weeks. Right. And they're now having to produce 100,000 a week to keep up demand. Yeah. In the UK is tiny, right? 100,000 a week, that's incredible. But some people were like, Ooh, like vegans were like, Ooh, why, why would anyone ever want that? I'm like, it's not for you. Yeah, like, right. It's not for you. Like, <laughs> you, right. eat what you want to eat, but don't be like, oh, this is disgusting. Who would want to eat yeah. this? Like, fine. But why do you have to be like that? Like, <laughs> why do you have to do that? Like, but, be pleased. You know? But you know, the, the, the counter though is that the non vegans keep, like, you know, that old story of like, if you're eating fake chicken, you're in the wrong business. No, I don't want to eat a fucking enslaved, <laughs> killed animal. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't, like, I don't want to eat murdered flesh, but I do like the texture or the whatever. And, so, and, and as a person, again, like, I, we sell the Beyond at the, rest, at the restaurants, right. and we, we can't keep it in stock, and it's amazing. Yeah, yeah people I, I have about your burgers. Yeah. <laughs> I have never, I have not tasted it. It's the only thing on my menus in three restaurants that I've never eaten, because I'm not interested in that, in that sensation, that taste. But we put it on the menu as soon as we could put it on the menu, because it's not a restaurant for me, because I cook at home if I want to cook for me. I'm cooking for anybody, and what, 87% of the people who are eating the Beyond Burger are not vegan or vegetarian. And that's powerful, like no matter that's what you powerful, say. That's powerful, right? Like that's a huge... And, and what do you guys think about that? Like what does that say about the... That's kind of my question. The, like the reality that we're making these products and they're being embraced, not by the vegan community, but by the rest of the world, really seems to say to me that people are awake to the health, the environmental, and the ethical issues around eating enslaved, you know, non-human persons. Like, I, like ultimately, that seems to me the good that we take out of this. But yeah, I I think it's good anytime that someone's picking a that someone isn't picking a corpse off the shelf. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, if it, if you're eating something that tastes a certain way or doesn't taste a certain way, I don't really care. And like, 
yeah, it's not for vegans, but any time that someone is given the option or, and making that choice to not kill an animal, I think is a win. And, and it shouldn't be shut down by other vegans or other activists because even if you don't want to do it, it's creating new, new opportunities to plant seeds and make vegans. So I, I think it's a huge deal. I think it's a sign of the times, too, that it's becoming so widely accepted by the public. And it's not, you know, people don't shun it away and say, I don't want to eat the grass burger. They say, oh, OK, I'll try it because it's, you know, tastes good, apparently. It's all the trend, and yeah, so yeah. why not? <laughs> so it's still a step forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's an interesting one because I, we, it, keep come, come, I mean, it keeps coming up all the time, and I was telling the story before that uh, my father-in-law is a, you know, he's 71, he's a Northern Ontario carnivore, he thinks veganism is a cult, you know, that kind of thing, and when he was down visiting his granddaughter, my, my, my child, um, we, of course, you know, went and got, well, we're going to get you the Beyond Meat Burger, Bill. You're going to love it. And, and he hates all vegetarian and vegan food. And the second day, he said, I want to have it again. Wow. And, he, and, and, and mean, it was striking because, and my wife, his daughter, was just like, you want to order food from a <laughs> vegan restaurant? I'm sorry, what? Dad. And he, and he fucking loves it. Right. So I mean, it was the power of that is impactful because he is who it's designed for. But I think it's an interesting point. I think it's, it's really important to talk about the fact that you're not pulling a corpse off the shelf. You're making one more step towards less animals being slaughtered. And that's a lot. Like, if you think of that a thousand people are eating that burger instead of something else, I mean, how many animals is that saved then? How many less are going through, through the kill floor? And for me, like, the ultimate take from that is, I don't fucking care why you eat that. I don't care. The fact is, you're eating that and not an animal that just got murdered at Car Hill this afternoon. Right. Bear, like that, I don't, I don't fucking care. Like eat it, for, eat it for whatever reason you want to eat it. Eat it because it'll drop your cholesterol. Eat it because it's better. For the, who cares? But the more products there are that that are out there, uh, and the more marketing and the more big companies getting behind it. For me, like I think that's a wonderful moment for us, and I think that's this is the this is the beginning of that big. You know what? You know Malcolm Gladwell's like the tipping point. Like it's it's. I feel like it really. You know, because again, I go back two and a half years. I'm thinking about opening a vegan restaurant in Wortley Village, and everybody is like, "Are you out of your mind? Like, don't open a vegan restaurant." And I'm like, you know what? I feel like it's it's the moment. And like and and I, again, you're here now, so I get to say it. But like, you, it was you guys and and the creating Veg Fest and like. Making that making that event that I walked into on year two and was like, like I get goosebumps thinking about it. I was like, this is fucking finally happening. This is a moment. This is real. And then I turned to my wife and I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I gotta do. I have to do something in this moment. And I thought maybe I'd write a blog or a podcast. You had no idea. Something, <laughs> right? So here we are. I got three restaurants and we got a podcast and a YouTube channel. So that's really cool. But like two and a half years ago, that wasn't a thing that was gonna happen. And it's all happening all around us, and it is. It's a surge, man. It's like, yeah. it's, it's incredible. Yeah, there's so much taking off right now, like, in different ways, too. Not just, like, with food and what we're eating, but, like, the activism community is growing and that we're not even, not even just that we're only doing a few things, but we're more accepting of whatever anyone wants to do as long as you're promoting veganism yeah. and helping the animals yeah. do the thing. Well, like, I mean, you're traveling. This is what you do right now. Yeah. You're, you're constantly on the road in one form or another, and you're either, whether you're in the big vegan activism van uh, or, or you know, organizing the animal rights march or, or whatever you're doing. How have you seen it change? Well, I mean, I've been vegan now for three, three and a half years. And right. when I first went vegan, you couldn't get vegan cheese in like commercial supermarkets. I mean, it, it, it wasn't a thing. Vegan burgers, yeah, maybe a couple, but it, yeah. it wasn't the same. I didn't know what Beyond Meat was, the Impossible Burger didn't exist. And this stuff existed. And in the short period of time that I've been vegan, 
the change has been incredible, like insane. Yeah. But it's not just the change in terms of vegan products, it's the change in number of activists. It's so so, we, so let me put this in kind of like a real world context. We did a, um, a protest against London Fashion Week and their use of um, animal skins for, for fashion. So the first one we did was September 2016. We had 25 people there. In, in this one, just gone February 2018, we had 250 to 300 people wow. there. So that's like in less than two years, like a tenfold increase in the number of activists getting involved to protest this. So there is a huge change happening. We, we can see that, it's tangible, it's real. Like the, the statistics are showing it, the people you meet on the street are telling you about it. Like vegan is no longer something people don't know about. Go back 10 years, I didn't know what vegans were. No one really knew what vegans were, right? But now everyone knows what, who vegans are. And even if they hate us, they know what we stand <laughs> for, right. right? And that's right, an improvement right. because at least because they hate us, they know what it is that we're about, which is better than not knowing who we are at all. So. It's all progress, you know, such massive progress has been happening. And um, from the traveling I've done, right, I was in Texas, um, you know, just two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, I was in Texas. We, we went to Houston, Dallas, Austin, and there's vegan food, there's vegan restaurants, vegan cafes, there's vegan activism, there's communities in there. In Texas, even in, it's however, <laughs> even, even in the places where you'd at least expect it, it's happening. It's happening, right? And that's incredible and so inspiring to know because, you know, you can go to LA, you can go to New York and be like, oh, veganism's great, but you're in LA and New York, right? Yeah. But then when you go out of those places and you're like, wow, actually, it's everywhere. Yeah. In the UK, that we've got two counties called Cornwall and Devon, and they're like super farming counties known for beef farming or cow farming. And um, even though we're there, and there's vegans there, and there's um, wives of cow farmers who are vegan. Right, it's just, it's, it's, it's wonderful, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. So farmers changing the business, farmers going out of business, you know, it's just all, all good, all good. It's slow progress, it's too slow, but the progress is there, and I think we have to just capitalize on that. And, because, and one thing, I get a bit complacent sometimes, because, well, not complacent, but I get a bit worried that when I say, look, this is, this is great, change is happening, people might just sit back and go, oh, well, then what's... Take care of itself. Yeah, exactly, we'll, we'll just leave it, there. right. Yeah. But the point is, it, it's not gonna, it's, we've gotta keep pushing it, like all of us, all vegans, we have to keep pushing it forward, and the moment we sit back and go, oh, the job's done, is the moment we almost admit defeat, because it's gonna stop. We have to keep driving that change. Well, because people don't realize, I'm sorry, Glenn, people just don't realize that it's not just about the animals alone. We're not talking about just the cruelty of the animals and the fact that they are living sentient beings who deserve the same respect that we do. Right. We're also talking about the state of the planet, that the world is becoming in, uninhabitable, and this is about your food choices. And I think that's where people really start, to, that's another disconnect that not, not enough people are making in why veganism needs to continue to move forward at a much more rapid pace is because the world's getting fucking hotter and it's getting less inhabitable. There's more crazy storms annihilating more people uh, in one sweep than ever has been before. And it's getting a frightening place. And people don't realize that the, that the big agriculture is the big player in that. Right. Well, I think you have to keep in mind too, I think that it's, I think it goes beyond big agriculture, and I've, I've spoken to this in the past as well. It is like, you know, I, I think about the, the straw rejection that's going on today, right? Like, fucking straws, that's the problem? Right. No, that's, that's obfuscation, that's distraction, that's bullshit. Right. That's a great little story, like, oh, look, here's a sea turtle with a straw in its nose. Do, don't have straws, and then go back to living your quiet little existence. That's all bullshit, and that comes back to what you were just saying is, and, and this is something that for me has been really interesting to kind of, to, to work around is going from, like, you know, you, veganism is either a choice of what you put in your body or it's a philosophy and a way you live. And if it's the first, then I would suggest, as many have, that it's plant-based. 
And if it's the second, then it's activism and it's action and it's not quitting. It's relentless it forward movement. It has to be, right? So, and that, and that for me, that's what kind of resonates in what you're saying there is it's really easy to go like, oh yeah, I did that thing and now I feel good. Now I don't have to worry about it. Like, oh, I don't need any. Like, and I did, I, look, I spent 30 years of my life. I, I didn't eat, I did not eat animal flesh for 30 years. But I had chicken and I had, or I, I had eggs and I had uh, dairy. Um, and I didn't make the connection. I, d I didn't make the connection. Um, and then when I made the connection, I was like, oh, shit. And now I'm vegan and I'm never, ever not going to be vegan. And um, so, yeah, so anyway, like I think, but, but that wasn't, that was just a change of what I put in my body. It wasn't the next, it wasn't that next level of, of being active, of being out there, of, of sitting at a table, of trying to push this conversation, of trying to push this awareness and this consciousness as far and as, as quickly as we can. Both of you uh, have done something that is, you know, there's a, there's a level of, of uh, commitment and a level of kind of dedication uh, that is, is like, I'm in awe of it on a regular basis of like putting your so-called life on hold to be a spokesperson, to, to go out there and, and agitate and, and do it, you know, at great loss in terms of general society is a sense of like what advancement means. I mean, from my perspective, I think it's, the, you, you couldn't do better than what you guys are doing for sure. Yeah, but we're losers on the side of the road, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. That, but that's what society would say. Yeah, so, but fuck society. Like, honestly, <laughs> fuck it. Like, I, I, this is society. This is what we're dealing with is, is mindless consumption, uh, mindless acceptance of like all of this, like, this, the mantra is dead to me. I don't care about that shit. So, uh, like, I, I really do think it's, it's amazing and the strength of what, like, both of you and, and obviously many other people do. Um, it, it, it's, it's, I don't know, it's inspiring to me. Uh, it certainly makes me rethink my day-to-day -day life is the fact that you're like, you know what, I'm not going to go collect a paycheck. I'm going to go and do this for the greater cause, the greater good of, of this world, this planet, this, this universe and all this. So like, I, I have nothing but like, just so much like, love and, and respect for what you guys do. Um, so, That's very yeah. nice. That is kind of Yeah. And I mean, you're doing activism in such a powerful way too in the community that we literally couldn't be out there doing what we do without your help from in, inside. So like, it's, it's a full circle thing. We need all, everyone to be doing whatever they're doing. Well, this is the reality is these, these industries that exploit animals, they're multifaceted, right? Which means that we need every single approach to tackle them. Like it's not one, sh you know, one shoe doesn't fit all, right? So we need people from every different angle approaching it, from every different food, activism, everything, because that's how we take down this, this insanely hostile and horrible beast yeah. is by going at it from every angle, not giving this beast any room to move and just closing it around them, slowly eroding around at their funds, taking it away through serving delicious vegan food by standing out there on the streets and, and showing people the reality of what's happening to these animals. That's how we do it. We raise that consciousness by helping people connect and showing people there's another way to live. I think it's kind of there's a how and a, and a why. And, and I think activists like maybe having myself, we give people the why. And you guys are giving people the how. We sell it because people have to have a reason to buy the Beyond Meat burger or, or come, to, come to a vegan restaurant over their normal restaurant. They need to have to, an inspiration or a reason to do so. Hopefully we give people the inspiration to do it and you guys give them the how. Okay, I want to try vegan food. How am I going to do that? Right. I'm going to eat some delicious food at, at Glenn's place. You know, like, you know, this is, that's, that's it, you know? So we all have our part to play and the most important thing is that we play that part. Yeah.
Every day. Absolutely. Every single day. Every fucking day. Every day. Relentless. Until it ends. Until it fucking ends. If there's one thing I've learned about activism, it's that every action, you have no idea, and it's not up to you to determine what impact that will make. Like, you don't know what standing out there will do. If someone drives by, it might just be, you know, a drop in the bucket, but one day they'll make the connection be like, oh, just like I saw those people outside protesting, I can't, you know, contribute to this kind of suffering industry. So it, it doesn't happen all at once, but I think if you just keep doing things, you're going to be helping more people go vegan because we all are. Well, that, I mean, there's a reason why, you know, like we just talked about, that in the United States, out of 50% of all milk sold are non-dairy, that doesn't happen, you know, in a vacuum. It happens because of all the people out there doing the activism, spreading the word, uh, doing whatever part they could do. That's how that change happens. And people don't realize that when you're doing these little small steps, like bearing witness, like you know, on the street asking questions, uh, like opening a restaurant and offering people delicious vegan food, uh, you don't know how you're making, but because they're little steps. Yeah. But over time, your little steps become a full path, uh, miles and miles long, and, and that's the important part, right? Well, I think that's and that is like it's that effect, right? It's like you don't know what's gonna turn that over tipping to that, that tipping point. You don't know what that tipping point is. You really don't, and n nobody ever does. Like you go, you look back through history. What was it that changed anything? Um, uh, well, what 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 it was, I think, is everything. And then finally, society said. Fuck. Okay, let's. Here we go, right? Uh, and for me, like that's that that's the key here is is we all like everybody does have to be out there doing their part. Everybody does have to get out there. Um, I know. I know. For me, the last couple of weeks has been. Um, I've I've spent a lot of time like kind of thinking about it and and being uh, being even more active, being more out there, uh, going to bear witness more often. Uh, is something that like just I need to do, and I and I think it comes back to what you said at the very beginning, which is, is if if nothing else, um, it just reminds you of what what this fight is and who we're fighting for, because it's easy, it's too easy for us as humans with our self kind of like whatever uh, importance to uh, to say, well this. I'm a good vegan activist, or I'm a good whatever, right? And I, you know Ben Ben Lenoir, right? Ben King, he he, a friend of ours posted something. It was a year and a bit ago, but he posted like, "How vegan are you?" And I remember my response was like, "Pretty fucking vegan." And then I stopped and I, I stopped and I thought about it for a bit, and I was like, "Well, I don't know. Obviously, I'm not. Like, nobody's 100% vegan, and nobody's, because because I didn't get up this morning and go bear witness. So how can I be better? How can I continue to push that? And I think that's. For me, what I, you know, I think that's the the message I'd like to just keep pushing out there to everybody is you 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 have to keep pushing this forward, right? Absolutely right. Well, I mean, I, I think people don't even realize sometimes how to be 100% vegan. They don't even realize the choices they're making sometimes that uh, they might not realize that they're, you know, or go, oh, well, my car I had that was given to me by my dad or my parents when I was in college has leather seats. Right, and, and, and there's those things, right? They, everyone has, there's, there's always work to do and there's always next steps. Don't feel guilty about it, just keep moving forward. Yeah, it's not a reason to stop doing anything. Like, it's totally. the reason for the next step. <laughs> exactly, well like, I mean, you, I've, I've, I have, I've been vegan for uh, only a handful of years as well. I, I can't, like, four or five, six years, somewhere in there. And, and, you know, I'm an old man, so most of my life I wasn't, right? And so it's, it's a big adjustment. You have to go, you have to be so mindful of all the different changes you make. But don't feel bad about not making those changes. Just 
fucking make those changes. Just get out there and do it. That's the big thing is like, don't give yourself an excuse, don't let yourself off the hook, but also don't like feel bad about it. Just fucking do, just take the next get step. Get on with it. Just get the fuck on You know it. what's important in that? Get Sorry, on I like jump on, but like what's important in that is, and I, I was watching a little thread unfold the other day and, and what's important in that is the, the counter argument that when you ask your whys, the counter argument is, is often, well, you probably do something wrong or well, you're not perfect, right? That's, that's like such a load of crap. Like it's, it's so ridiculous. Like you, we can't be perfect, so let's not try. Like, you know, like you can, you, you, if you can't, if you aren't being your best you, if you aren't constantly trying to, to affect change on this world, then get the fuck off. Like, I don't even have time anymore. Like, I, it's ridiculous. Like, it's, it's unfolding at a rapid pace all around us. Uh, it's, it's insane what, like, the things that are happening. And then you see somebody go like, well, I bet you, like, a mouse got killed when you ate your weed. I'm like, what? Are you fucking kidding me? Like, yeah. that, that kind of bullshit. I'm sorry. So anyway. Like, it's true. The thing is, like, if you're going to say, oh, well, because if you can't be perfect, what's the point of trying? Then why do we have a judicial system any sense of morality? Let's just <laughs> scrap everything. You know what I mean? Oh, exactly. right? You can murder someone because, yeah. well, you know, you have an iPhone and iPhones are bad, right? So yeah. therefore, anything's fine. I mean, that's, that's, that's the logic behind it. Yeah, it justifies everything. It's, it's so incompatible to modern day morality. It's I'm scary that people have that. We're making that a shirt, man. Why do we have a reality? It's not a realist. No one can live under those terms. Right. We don't live under those terms in any aspect of your life, anywhere. No, of course no, not. Because no one can live a perfect life on any level. We're an imperfect species. Perfection doesn't exist. It's the carrot dangling the stick, you know, right. which you can't get to. We keep trying to get it, but you won't get it. That's fine. Accept it and just do your fucking. Do your best, right? God, do your fucking best. <laughs> do your fucking best. I'm trying so fucking yeah, hard to make Earthling Ed swear, yeah. man. Yeah, no. You did a good Almost there. That, which actually, you know, I mean, that, that's, the, that's the beauty, right? Is like, we ha you have to be where you are. You have to accept where you are, and you just have to keep being better. And like, that's it. Just stop this bullshit. And I do think, like, that, that counter comes from, like, people know. I, I've said this a bunch, but like, people, like, they know. Like, when someone sits at the table and goes, yeah, but you probably did. Like, you, all you're doing is trying to rationalize your way through. You're clearly knowledge, like, you know the bad decisions you've made yeah. to get to this point, yeah. and now you're just trying to, like, get through the day. And it reminds me of a line from, uh, like, there's a movie, The Big Chill. It's like, for us old guys, we love it. But yeah, I know the one. Yeah, yeah. So there's a line, right? And, and, like, the two guys are out in a field. They're looking at this land that one of them's thinking about buying, and... They're like literally like taking a leak in the field, and one guy says something, and the other guy's like, "Well, that's a rationalization." And Jeff Goldblum is he goes like, "Don't knock rationalizations. We wouldn't like you couldn't get through the day without rationalizations. Rationalizations are better than sex," he says, right? Like, <laughs> and we we live our life in this like realm of rationalization, right? And and I think that that's again accepting that, being calm and being present with them the way you are, asking why. Like that for me is like there's a big takeaway here is just like coming back to that point of why and just stepping back and why and stepping back and and, and yeah so because people are they're just flurrying through and like don't 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 don't, don't, don't I don't want to know like like you know and that. I think it's actually like giving them a sense of empowerment when you're asking those questions whether they realize it or not because then they're going inward and actually identifying what their real beliefs are and what their real actions are and you're giving them that opportunity to align the actions with their beliefs yeah. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. And that alone, I think, is, is like a type of like spreading awareness in a way we can't comprehend. Because that person's, even their transformation, 
starting then is going to inspire people in different ways. Like, the seeds are countless. I mean, we all wish that we'd been vegan for our entire lives. So I think we owe it to people to actually ask these questions because I would love it if someone had taken me like six years ago and asked me, you know, how many years ago and asked me those questions. I'd be grateful for it. So even if people don't want to hear it and they may be resentful to you, in the long run when they go vegan, and everyone's going to go vegan, right? So when they do, they'll yeah. be grateful for the fact that you stood up and spoke about it. Absolutely. So. I think I've never even thought about that from that perspective that it is empowerment. You are empowering them because you're making them, that's what being woke is. That's what being woke up is you're getting self-empowered, no matter how fucking uncomfortable it is. And it's almost always uncomfortable, but that's what that really is. So anybody who's going through that moment, that actually is a beautiful yeah. moment. It's not a negative. Right. It's a striking positive, even when it fucking hurts. Well, Especially well, when it hurts, probably. Yeah. Well, knowledge is power. So knowledge is empowerment. Right. So if we give people knowledge, we empower them, right? We have to. That's, it's simple. People, most people, like we, we can pretend we want to bury our heads in the sand and look at that's convenient and it's comfortable. But at the end of the day, we're grateful for what we know. And the more we know, the more grateful we are to know it, even when the truth hurts. It's good to know it. Like, so people want to have that knowledge. Most people do. So we owe it to them to at least tell them and let them discover it for themselves because, God, we all wanted that, you know? So. Yeah. Okay, we're going to wrap up in a couple minutes, but I, I, I'm really interested in, uh, uh, so what, what's your kind of moment? What, what, what happened? How I got to this yeah. point? So four years ago, May 2014, I came across a story in the BBC News. It's about a truck carrying 7,000 chickens crashing on, 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 a, on a motorway or, or a freeway um, near a city called Manchester in, in England. And um, I remember reading the story, and, and hundreds of the birds had died in impact. In fact, 1,500 of the birds died on the impact. But what kind of disturbed me more than that was there were hundreds more of these birds who were alive, but they had broken bones and broken wings and broken combs and broken beaks. And, and they were bleeding out, mutilated on the side of the road, but they were suffering and in pain because they were conscious and feeling. And I read it and was like, my God, like these animals are suffering, right? And I'd never once considered that the animals that I consumed had the capacity to suffer. And then I realized because they could feel pain and could suffer, they therefore had a preference to avoid pain and suffering. But then the, in my fridge was chicken breasts, chicken thighs, and KFC from the night before, because I love fried chicken from the night before. And I was like, oh my God, I'm a hypocrite because I'm saying that I feel sorry for these animals, but the only reason they're there is because I paid for them. So that was a catalyst for me going vegetarian. I didn't know about dairy eggs. I was, like most of us, I was blinded. I thought, you know, free range men that farmers went around fields and picked up eggs from hens that were running around in big green pastures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a and, and I thought that, <laughs> right, and I thought the dairy industry was just cows eating grass and farmers just took the milk that they just made, right? Like, <laughs> I never thought about it. And then my partner Luna came across this um, documentary on Instagram. It was a poster for, for the film Earthlings. And she was like, you should watch this documentary. We should watch it. We should watch it. And I was like, I ain't watching that. Like, I kind of knew what it was about. I was like, that's just bad farmers, bad practices. I was like, it's probably made by Peter or something. Like, it's just propaganda, you know? And she was like, well, if you're so certain, watch it. Like, what have you got to lose? So one morning, we watched it. And that was it, you know? Nine minutes later, after seeing the documentary, I realized it's not just me. It's not even just dairy and eggs. It's the clothes we wear, the products we put in our hair, on our skin. It's the sea worlds, the aquariums. And I love zoos as well. You know, zoos are one of my favorite days out. And it was ironic because I loved zoos because I loved animals. And I thought, wow, look at this. Look at these lions. Oh, I'm such an animal lover observing these lions in, in cages, right? But you don't see the bars. You know, there's literal bars, but you just see through them. But anyway, I watched the documentary. I was like, this is terrible. I had a, Lena and I had a hamster at the time called Rupert. And I went and sat next to Rupert. I had him written on my hands and on my arms. And there's a scene in the film where one of the, the scientists like injects something into a hamster. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that could be Rupert. 
But then it dawned on me that any animal in the film could be Rupert. It wasn't just about hamster being a hamster. It was about Rupert as an individual. And all of the animals that I pay to be exploited are individuals in the exact same way that he is. But I would protect his life with my own life in certain situations. But here I am condemning others just like him to die for me. So I was like, wow. It, that feeling of being a hypocrite came over me again. I was like, what do I do? Do I live a life of hypocrisy, you know, knowing what I'm doing? Or do, do we go vegan? And well, of course, we're going to go vegan. You know, it's the only simple thing we can do. So, yeah, that was three and a half years ago that I... Uh, and then that step from, from that moment to, to activism, was it like right away? Was it like a like, What made you go, I yeah. have to do more? So I, I started my YouTube like almost a year after I, I became vegan. Um, I, was, I was really terrified of being labeled preachy and extreme. I thought, before I was vegan, I thought vegan, vegans were weird. <laughs> like I didn't yeah. understand. I thought vegans were extreme and weird. And then so going into being vegan, I knew that people felt this way because I used to feel that way. So I was super quiet about it. I didn't want to make people feel uncomfortable. I was like, well, you know, I'll live my way. You know, you do you, I'll do me. That kind of dreadful way of Forced thinking. It on dreadful <laughs> way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, right. That, how ironic. But um, yeah. Yeah, I saw this documentary, Cowspiracy, and um, I was at university at the time, and uh, my friends were kind of like self-proclaimed leftist environmentalists, you know, you know the types, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I thought, wow, these people are going to, as soon as I tell them about Cowspiracy, they're going to watch it, they're going to go vegan, I'll have beautiful vegan friends, it's going to be a happy world. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't work out. So I, I went into university the next day, I was like, guys, I just saw this documentary called Cowspiracy, it's crazy, like basically we're destroying our planet because we eat animal products, like you should watch it and change and be vegan like, like I am. And this girl called Rhiannon walked over to me and she went, you know, soy farming is really bad for the environment. And I was just like, I didn't know about it. I'd never, I'd never learned about it. And I was like, soy farming, like it doesn't, it doesn't sound right. Like I was like, I drink soy milk, I eat tofu, like I love soy, <laughs> I love soy products. Like I'm a soy boy, but I thought to myself, hang on a second, I don't think that my consumption of these products is destroying the environment. But I didn't know what to say, so because I hesitated, she looked at me and she was so smug, right? And this feeling like really got under my skin because I knew that when she left, she'd go eat whatever animal product it was next and she'd do so with an eased conscience because she'd like got one up on a vegan, right? So she's gonna be like, ah, well, you know, I beat that vegan, so therefore I'm okay to eat those products. And I just was like, I don't wanna feel that way again. Like if I'm vegan, good, but when people ask me questions, I need to know how to respond because if I don't, I'm doing a disservice to the animals who I'm saying that I care about. So if I want, if I truly care about them, I need to do my best to, to do right by them. So I went home, is soy farming bad for the environment? I Googled and yes it is, but because over 85% of the soy we grow, we feed some livestock animals. So. And after that, I just decided it was like, I need to teach myself everything. So I learned as much as I could. I had all this information and I felt I need to do something with this. Like I had this, I'd learned, I'd seen loads of footage. I'd learned loads of facts. I was disgusted and horrified, incredibly misanthropic. And I was like, I need to do something with this feeling. So we set up a YouTube, Lena and I set up a YouTube and then we started doing street activism. And that was two and a half years ago, my YouTube. My first street activism was May 2016. And from then I just, it becomes addictive, you know? I mean, you can probably vouch this as well, Abby. It becomes addictive because you feel good because you know you're doing something you deeply care about. I mean, I was wandering through life, not knowing what I wanted to do, living pretty hedonistically for myself, just living a life that I enjoyed without ever considering others. And being vegan, I realized that my life, or being an activist made me realize that my life isn't just for me. It's uh, My life is a vessel to create positive change, or at least it should be a vessel to create positive change. So. I, as an individual, a human being on this planet with so many millions, billions of other creatures have a duty to try and create a world that is better for every single being, not just me, so. Fucking right, but it's to, it's, to me, that missing piece, or that missing piece, that the activating piece was knowledge. Knowledge, and, right. And, and, and that is, again, coming back, back to the beginning, talking about how you're empowering people and the, you know, in the streets and the way you ask questions and all the activism. It's the knowledge, letting, removing the disconnect, waking people up. It's amazing how that was what inspired you. You literally, in, in a few years, went from eating KFC 
to, to you know, 200,000 followers on Facebook and what have you and, right, and, right. and doing great things for the community. But it was the knowledge. That's that spark. The more knowledge you had, the more you realized that you had to do something. And I think Absolutely. that's a, a powerful statement. Such a, it's so much power to that, right? Like knowledge is power. Knowledge and is power right there. Why you ask the why and it's why you do what you do. And it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's, uh, I don't know, it's awesome. It's, Thank you for everything you do. Of course. Well, it's amazing. You, when we know better, we have a duty to do better. And as vegans, we know better. So we have to act better. But we also have to empower others to, to know as well so they can change. So it, there's an analogy. And I, I, I like this analogy because the, the analogy is there's a person walking down the road. And at the end of the road, there's a, a hole. Right. And there's a person on the other side of the road who can see and is watching the blind man get closer and closer to the hole. Now, if the blind man falls in the hole, it's the, man, it's the fault of the man who can see and who says nothing. And yeah. In this situation, we are the people who see. We know the truth. We know what's happening. We know the abyss, the ecological precipice that we currently are you know, leaning onto. And yeah. so if our society continues to plunge towards the hole and we destroy ourselves, it's our fault because we knew and we didn't do anything. So if we don't speak up, we allow people who are living unconsciously to continue towards that abyss. So if it, the world ends and all of this goes to shit, it's our fault, which is why we have to speak up. Because it's not the fault of the average consumer who's never been told differently. It's not their fault. They're not accountable because they don't know any better. So we have to teach people to know better so they can therefore change and do better. Enough said. <laughs> Peace. Peace out. Peace. Thanks, guys.